0: We're going to do something a little different with the the scripture reading that's uh, the final scripture reading before we go go into the message this morning. Um, And that is, I'm going to read Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 through 22, and then I would like for you to join with me in reading Deuteronomy 36 through 10. So I believe that's going to be up on the screen for us, but if you want to turn in your Bibles uh, the portion you're going to read together with me is Deuteronomy 30, verses 6 through 10. And as we read this, I want you to understand the gospel is here. Jesus said, you, you study the Old Testament because you believe that in them they speak of Messiah, they speak of me. And these are the words that, that, that do speak of Jesus, In the first passage that I'm going to read, it looks like we've got a task to do. And if we're honest with ourselves, in Deuteronomy 10, we're going to say, I can't do this. But then there's some good news. Because God says it differently and provides hope for those of us who know we can't keep the law. Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 to 22. And now Israel. What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord that I'm commanding you today for your good? Okay, I'm overwhelmed. This is impossible. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. And if that was the end of the matter, I would be very discouraged. Now let's read in unison unison, Deuteronomy 30, verses 6 through 10. And the Lord, this unison means we say this together. Okay, that's that's what unison. Ah, there we go. Okay, my apologies. Are we in good shape now? All right, that's okay. (laughs) I was being sarcastic and it was uncalled for. And that shows you I'm a sinner, right? All right. In unison. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your cattle, and in the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you, as he took delight in your fathers. When you obey the voice of the Lord your God, to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And God says, I ask you to circumcise your heart, but I know you can't do it. So I'm going to do it for you. So this morning, as we look at the commandment walk, understand I'm not suggesting that you or I can keep God's commandments apart from the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before I continue, let's pray. Father, we have sung amazing words of truth this morning to you uh, in thankfulness, uh, how great you are. The things you have created are just, if if we pause for just a few seconds and contemplate the magnificence and complexity and interworkings of all that you've created. Uh, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care about him? And yet you made your son lower than the angels, that he might come and be one of us, be man, perfect man, and give his life a ransom for many, for people in this room, for me. How can we say thank you? Words are insufficient. Lord, I pray that as we dig into your word today, what the Apostle John communicated in this short letter letter to this elect lady, we pray, Father, that you would once again help us to see rightly that your word is a word of love. Uh, Yes, they are commands, but they're commands given in love because they are for our good. And Lord... I pray that I would fade into the background and that your word and your spirit would have liberty and power in communicating and convicting, uh, in encouraging, in rebuking. For we pray these because your son is worthy. In his name I pray, amen. So there are going to be three perspectives that we're going to look at this morning. And uh, Jeff has the, you know, terrible task of trying to keep uh, what I'm saying on the screen. So uh, if anybody gets the blame, it's me for making my slides complicated. There are going to be three perspectives. The first is the commandments for the rebels. Um, And in fact, this morning in the adult discipleship hour, uh, we heard uh, a song by Jordan Coughlin, All I Have is Christ, and it struck me in there It says, I had no hope you would own a rebel to your will. But God gave his word, his commandments for the rebels. The second aspect is the commandments at the cross. What is the right view of the commandments in light of, in view of the cross? And the third aspect that we're going to talk about this morning, and I think there are some slides here, Jeff, that Maybe there's some bullet points on this particular slide. I don't know if the computer's frozen. The third one is, oh, maybe not, uh, is the commands for the elect. So we're looking at the commands for the rebels, the commands at the cross, and the commands for the elect, or that is God's children. Um, And I think I see it, I now know what I did wrong uh, in looking at my notes. So, Jeff, you're, you're right spot on. Um, if you could back, back up just a little bit here. There we go. Okay, now I know where we are. Go ahead and advance the slide. That's pretty bad, isn't it? I've got my notes here, and uh, I was on a page that I shouldn't have been on. The Apostle John has always been one of my favorite apostles, and part of that is because he was a fisherman, he was a regular guy. So when I think, and I like fishing, okay? Not the kind of fishing Paul did with nets. I like going out there with a line and a worm or a line and a spoon and and catch fish. And I love being out on the water. So when I think of the Apostle John, I think water and fish. I also think a guy that when, you know, somebody rejects Jesus, what he'd like to do is get permission from the Lord to destroy them. They don't want to listen to you. And I call down fire on this people. But it's amazing to me how he was transformed. You see none of that in any of his epistles. You see an evidence of his focus on the truth and his emphasis is on love. Now, when we talk about small but mighty, we've been looking at small books that are mighty because they're God's word. And I got to thinking about water and the water molecule And the water molecule, they tell us, is, I've never seen a molecule by itself, okay, Uh, is two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom. And what I find most amazing is that two-thirds of your body is hydrogen, and one-quarter is oxygen, and one-tenth is carbon, and that's 99% of you. God, in his amazing ability to create, took three major elements and made people out of them. That's amazing. Now, yes, there are other elements in there, but you know, basically you're walking water and carbon. That's what you are, physically. I don't want to discourage you. There's more to you than that. The oxygen atom is, is heavier than hydrogen. Um, it's even heavier than the carbon atom, and I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought, well... Oxygen's kind of light. I can move my hand through it. Carbon, I've seen that. that. That's got weight to it, but that's not the case. But water is of major importance to all living things. Even though it's very, very small in its fundamental form, it's very important for all of life. In fact, your brain and heart, they tell us, are 73% water, and your lungs are about 83% water. There are so many... Uh, Pieces to your body uh, that are built up of protons and electrons and neutrons. And this isn't a science lesson, that's just to get you to appreciate that these very, very tiny particles that God created, when combined together, the atoms of oxygen and hydrogen can become something very powerful. And we, we saw that last night as water poured from the skies. And if you've ever been out on the ocean, as I have in the Navy, when the waves came up and were at the highest point of the ship, you could appreciate that these little molecules of water, when they combine together in a wave, can become very, very mighty. You are amazingly complex. Your body, your brain, your memory, your muscles, your nerves, the levers that God has built in, you have automated systems, things that you don't even think about that you you don't have to manage your immune system, your breathing, your heartbeat, even just memory types of things. Those are all designed by God and automatic. And yet there are some things that are not matter related. And God is concerned about not just the body, but the soul. God is concerned about your eternal well-being. So, I thought about water as it pertains to John and how his word, though a small passage, is very powerful. Number one, the commandments for the rebels. We're going to focus primarily in John verses 4 through 6, and I want you to notice, first of all, in John chapter 4, verse 5, in Second John 4, verse 5, it says, And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but one that we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Now, this commandment is not brand new. It was given back when everyone was a sinner. Everyone was a rebel when this word was given. And by themselves, without God's provision of a sacrifice, there was no hope. They were rebels. They were under God's wrath. And so it is with each one of us. Apart from Christ, we are rebels. When we read Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 through 22, there were some things that jumped out to me. And I just want to highlight those for you. First of all, when God gives the commandments, he says, which I'm commanding you today, there's motive behind it. It is for your good. Now, oftentimes we look at the commandments and say, Oh, I don't like those commandments. But recognize this. God is good, and he gives his commandments to you for your good, not to harm you. Secondly, The Lord has set his love on your fathers, verse 15. You are loved by God. Let that sink in. Psalm 86, 15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God loves you even when you are his enemy, even when you are a rebel against him. Romans 5, seven and eight says, or one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Would I die for my wife? I'd like to think so. She's a righteous person, I'll die for her. But if you were some Cretan, would I die for you? Well, in Christ I should. I should be willing to protect life. But the Apostle Paul to the Romans says, Or one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still rebels against him, Christ died for us. There's something else that that the author of Deuteronomy records He says, circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and do not continue to be stubborn. Uh, If you've been a parent or a grandparent, you've probably seen stubbornness. You give a command and there's not the appropriate response. And that happens really at the earliest ages. I'm guessing that Abby and Scott have seen a little bit of the rebel syndrome in their little boy, Arthur. Is that true? Yeah. Exa- yeah. <laughs> the father's sins have been <laughs> transmitted to the son. Uh, but you have a great opportunity to lead Arthur to Christ as his parents. So God says, don't be stubborn. That means, that implies you don't want to fear the Lord, you don't want to love the Lord, you don't want to serve the Lord, you want to do exactly what you want to do, which means you're the Lord. You want to be in charge. Apart from Christ. Now, understand, I'm talking about you rebels before Christ, and if you're a, still a rebel, you need, you need to hear this. You're a sinner. Uh, you're destined for eternal punishment under God's mighty and righteous hand. In Genesis 6:15, this is God's analysis of mankind. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. That's a that's a rough diagnosis. You're always a rebel. You're always thinking like a rebel. You don't want God's word. One of the Iwana verses that that we taught to our son very early on was Deuteronomy 17, 9. I learned it in the King James Version because that was the version of the day back in the Dark Ages. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately, desperately Desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's the picture of the rebel. And unfortunately, it's common for people to say, Well, I've kept the commandments. We had a neighbor when we lived in Milwaukee on uh, 49th Street, Mrs. Neiman. And Mrs. Neiman, we tried to minister the gospel to Mrs. Neiman. She had had many tragedies in her life that are very sad. But when faced with the gospel her response was but I've kept the commandments. And here's what you should do when somebody says I have kept the commandments. You either do what Jesus did, okay? Although that's probably not the easiest thing for you to do. Or you say this, what are they? Because most people kind of know maybe three of them. But the reality is they have no clue about the things God has said, these are the things I require of you. And Mrs. Neiman had no clue. And as, as far as I know, she never responded to the gospel. I hope she did. Uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't stay living in that place uh, in Milwaukee for the entire time that she was alive, but... Uh, she felt she kept the commandments. Here's what happened when Jesus confronted somebody like this in Matthew 19, verses 16 16 through 22. And you're familiar with this passage if you've been in the scriptures at all. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life... Keep the commandments. Now, at that word, I would say, "Okay, I'm, hope is gone." But this guy, uh, he's a kind of a lawyer kind of guy. You know, are some of your children they n- like to negotiate with you? Uh, he said to him, uh, "Which ones? Okay, I'd like you to kind of pinpoint for me which which commandments you'd like for me to keep." Jesus said, "You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear." false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And you just got to love this guy for his his distorted view of his own life. And the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus wanted him to expose his lack of love for others. That was his real problem. He really didn't love God, and he didn't love others, So Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And neither one of those things sounded good to that rich young man. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So here's the word for the rebels, the commandment for the rebels. You have to keep all the commandments, all of them, no exceptions. You have to do them very, very well with a right heart attitude, with the right motives. And here's the, the news if you haven't figured it out already. You haven't, and you won't. And you can't. But you must. You must realize you are unable to make amends you are unable to make it right. And if God's word ended there, that would be very, very sad. But it doesn't, because we read in Deuteronomy 30, verses 6 through 10, that the Lord, your God, will circumcise your heart. God can do the work that you can't do in changing your heart. So that's the commandment to the rebel. It's a list of exceedingly high things to accomplish, to obey, that we cannot accomplish and obey. We are in a miserable state of affairs as a result of this. Until we get to the cross, the commandments at the cross. And in 2 John verse 3 Uh, John says this, grace, mercy, and peace be with us, will be with us. Now, if it ended there, it, it would just sound nice, you know? Grace and mercy and peace, that's with us. But look at the source of the grace and mercy and peace. From God the Father and from Jesus Christ, Father's Son in truth and love. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. God loves the world. God loves you. That's a powerful, short sentence. God loves you, the rebel. The one that, if you had been there, if I had been there, and the crowd was saying, crucify him, I don't think I would have been saying, well, wait, let's think about this. I think I would have been with the crowd, kill him. But God brings peace. Ephesians 2, 13 to 22 um, Yes, we've already done that. You can go to the next slide, Jeff. There we go. Peace from God and from Jesus Christ. So the commandments at the cross. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. And I'm going to read this. And I want you to hear the word peace as Paul says this to the church at Ephesus. But chapter 2, verse 13 of, of Ephesians. For but now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This morning we're going to celebrate communion. And it's because of the blood of Christ that we're going to have as an illustration here at the communion table. It's because of the the blood of Christ, the cross of Christ, that we've been brought near. We were once far off. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility... Now listen to this. This is good news. By abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinances, the law has been abolished when it comes to your standing with Christ, standing before God in Christ, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple to the Lord. Get that. You, once a rebel, you, once unacceptable, one that could not approach God, you are being built into a holy temple for the Lord, in whom also you are being built together into a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. God has done a marvelous work. And here's what the blood of Christ has done. In verse 13, it brings us near. Once we were far off, once we were rebellious, now we are brought near, we are His children. You want your children to be close to you. As a parent... You know, having your children, or as a grandparent, having your grandchildren close to you, that's, that's desired. That's what God desires. He desires for his children who have been re- rebels to be close to him. In verse 14 in this letter, Paul says, he is our peace. The peace that the apostle John talked about that was from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, in verse 3, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1, uh, my brother-in-law Brad knows Romans 5.1, right? That's the, one of the Iwana verses. We are justified by faith, not by works, not by commandments. Peace for those who were close and peace for those that were far away. Verse 15, he abolishes the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances. This is very liberating. I no longer have to depend on my good works to measure up. Now, the law is still important. God's, God's word, his, his commands are still important. But I am not held to the standard of the commandments for my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That work has been finished. That work has been accomplished. The, the blood of Christ reconciles us to God. If you're a rebel... You know, during the war between the states, there were the the Union army and there were the rebels, the Confederates, right? We needed to be reconciled. We need to be made one again. And God said, To the worst of the worst of you, I'm bringing you reconciliation. You now can be not a rebel, but a child of mine. You can have Christ as your brother, as your friend. So here's the application. Run to the cross. Run to the cross. If you've never been there, get there. Confess your sins. He is willing to forgive. He wants to forgive. He wants to restore you. I believe we're singing in Christ alone. Uh, I don't think we've sung it yet this morning. I think that's during the communion time. But there's a a short portion I want to read for you. And think about it as you sing it later. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory... Get this. Sin's curse has lost its grip on me. Why? For I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. He finished the work. That's why I like his words on the cross where he said, it is Finished. So, as a rebel against the commands, you've got a problem. But God, who is rich in mercy, sent his son to rescue you, to rescue me. That's good news. That's news we ought to share. You know, Jason was reminding us this morning in Adult Discipleship Hour, we have this marvelous opportunity to share the best news that anybody would ever hear that their sins could be forgiven, and they don't have to keep track of the commandments, God will give them a new heart. Finally, commands for the elect. How should we view the commandments after the cross? How should I respond to the one who gave us his laws? Well, number one, the view of the commandments, that is God's word, is to have a right reverence for those commandments and their benefits. It's perfect. Psalm nineteen seven. The law of the Lord is perfect. It is what I need. I need his law. It makes me wise, Psalm nineteen, verse seven. It gives me guidance for light. Another one of the Iwana verses, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp, it is a light. It helps me to know where to walk, where to go. You know, stay in the light of God's word. It provides me with warnings for my own protection and good. I'm an idiot. Really? I do dumb things, sinful things, rebellious things, even now. And and I need warnings for my own good, for my own protection. And the psalmist also says it brings rewards in my life. God's word brings reward. My desire regarding the commandment. Paul said in Colossians 3, put on the new, new self, Paul said in Ephesians, put on the full armor of God. We're supposed to be putting some things on regarding God's word. So my desire regarding the the commandment is I need to have sin exposed. I need to read God's word and say, Father, cause your Holy Spirit to see where I am rebellious, where I am sinful, where I refuse to hear your word. Show me what is sinful. And I'm like the Apostle Paul. Uh, I like Romans chapter 6. I, uh, Romans 6 is great. I love Romans 6. But I especially like the fact that Paul took, took the time under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write Romans 7 because I can relate. Romans seven nineteen to 20. For I do not do the good I want. That's true of me. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And I'd like to say that's not true, but unfortunately, that's why I have to confess my sins, because I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. What I like about that passage is Paul says at the end of that, who's going to rescue me from this body of death? And the answer is God. Thanks be to God, because he's good, and he rescued me. The response to the loving lawgiver, we we sang, uh, well, actually, we didn't sing, we listened to. Jason, I I appreciate the fact that you included that song in the adult discipleship hour, because In that song, the author of that song, of those lyrics, says, the strength to follow your commands would never come from me. And that is really, really true. Father, use my ransomed life in any way you choose. All I have is Christ. And then he says, hallelujah. He says, that's praise for God, because God accomplished the work. So, Ephesians 2, and I've shared this many times when I preach. I don't know, you know, if you get tired of hearing these verses, but I don't. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this, For by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. Take comfort in that. It's not of yourselves. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But here's the piece. You know, God's got a reason for this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And God thought about this, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God isn't asking you to do something that he hasn't equipped you for or prepared you for or given you provision for. He has given you all of the riches in Christ Jesus. In fact, in Christ alone, listen to these words. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. No guilt, no fear for death. That's the power of Christ. That's not my power. From life's first cry to final breath. Well, I've had my first cry. I still haven't had my final breath. But here's the good news. Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Jesus said that. If you believe Jesus, he says, No one can pluck you out of my Father's hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. So... Where do the elect run when they fail? The verses are obvious. Romans 7, 24 and 25, Paul says it's Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God for our Savior, Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 John 1, 8 and 9, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And it's not just forgiveness Don't miss the last part. And cleanse, Wayne. And cleanse, Wayne. Before God, I stand clean because of the blood that was shed for me on the cross. So how do we apply this? As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also should be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as a father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious... Blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb without blemish or spot. So the command in John's epistle is this. I'm not writing you a new command, but the one we've had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. If you read the commandments, any of them, you'll see that they scream, Love. It's about the other person. Love always has an object. By that I mean, I either have the object of my love, Wayne, in other words, selfishness, or the love of God, or the love for others. There's an object to the love. But it's not, warm, it's not like I love pizza. Pizza doesn't need anything from me. I need something from pizza, right? Lots of toppings, lots of cheese. You know, it's probably part of the reason I have skin problems. But love involves actions, and God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now we're going to go to the Lord's table. And uh, are the musicians going to play... While we do the elements, I believe that's the case, if they would come up. Roger is going to distribute the, the elements, the bread and the juice. If you are not mobile, you can stay where you are. In this church, um, if you're a guest, you are welcome to participate in coming when the, when the song starts to partake, take the bread, take the cup of juice, take it back to your seat And then we're going to partake together. But you can't be the rebel. You can't be the rebel against God's commands. You have to be the one who has come to the cross. Where the blood was spilt for your salvation. You can freely come. And that doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Because if it meant we had to be perfect, I would anticipate no one coming up to take from these elements, myself included. But because of Christ, you've been adopted. And you have, because of his blood, forgiveness of sins. And now you can walk in love because of what he has done.